Then some woman over there asked me, Mr. Khan, you think you made it? I said, probably yes, ma'am, but my mind didn't register yet. The day register I made it, I'd be lazy, I won't be. So I keep my poverty just before my eyes because it was a terrible experience I don't want to have to go through again and I don't want anybody else to go through. And I was just telling you earlier that six, seven years from now, I'm gonna go jihad against poverty. Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here and welcome to Modern Business. Our special guest today is Mr. Aslam Khan, known as the Turnaround King, especially in the franchise world. Aslam is the current CEO of TGI Fridays. He's the president and CEO of Falcon Holdings, which operates over 500 restaurants, including Church's Chicken, Long John Silver's, Hardee's, and A&W. I think he's the largest franchisee of Church's Chicken. And as you will learn in this wisdom-filled podcast, Aslam went from being a dishwasher to being the largest franchisee of churches and then on to being their CEO. So this chat is filled with wisdom from along that path. Aslam paints beautiful pictures with his stories. And I challenge you, listen closely, pick out the nuggets of wisdom that he carefully shares embedded deep within the words. A quick word from our sponsor, Solink, the number one video recording, loss prevention, and fraud detection platform for franchise and multi-unit chains. You can leverage machine learning and predictive technology to drive results with Solink. A couple of questions to ask if you're considering whether it's right for your brand. I'm sure you capture video footage at your locations, but how do you use it? What if you had a machine learning technology that was always watching and prescribing events and transactions that look fishy? Even the great Sam Walton had a quote-unquote over-the-shoulder management style. This puts it on steroids. So whether you're using Solink to search transactions for investigations or just using it to hold employees accountable because it can identify strange transactions and void counts, etc., Solink will help you fight increasing wages and improve your bottom line. And the best part, it integrates with your existing cameras and POS systems, and it can automatically send email updates every single morning with the daily dashboard and KPIs report. And a final note, you have to check out their 360 video app. It gives you real-time 360-degree access to any and all stores. I encourage you to please do business with our sponsors as they help us continue to bring great content every single week. Reach out to me to request a meeting or to request more info. And as always, modern business folks will get special treatment. So now we pick up at the beginning of my in-person interview at TGI Friday's headquarters with Aslam Khan. He starts by telling us powerful stories about where he comes from. Enjoy. 
first of all, it starts about 50-some years ago. I'm 64 today, so uh, for, the, for your audience to know that I'm a mature man now, 64. So, <coughs> excuse me. I started about 50 years ago when I was 14 years old. And I was in, uh, born in a little teeny tiny village, about a couple hundred people in it. And there was no running water, there was no road nearby, there was no electricity, none of that stuff. The only thing I ever used to see was airplane going over and what I read in the book when I was in a school. And, uh, so other than that, age of 14, I didn't know much about the United States and not, not much about Pakistan either. So, but I didn't want to live that uh, life in poverty. I hated it every single day. Uh, earlier in my age, first eight, nine, ten years, I didn't even know uh, anything. But after that, when I got a little bit conscious, I knew there's a world out there that's better than this that I'm stuck in. Uh, the yes, I couldn't choose the place of birth. I couldn't choose the uh, parents but when I grew up I used to say I can choose to be whatever I wanted to do so I pay attention to school I knew that's one way out and um, about school was about four or five miles away and we used to go through a little jungle and uh, local kids in my village to go to the other village in a school. They didn't want to go in the morning. They were afraid of these uh, animals uh, in the jungle and stuff. And there was no adult supervision. So every morning you get up, cold or whatever. So I used to go alone most of the time. And I used to run through that jungle to the other side. I thought I'm faster than cheetahs, faster than everybody else. So I want to be able to um, I won't be able to get caught by by all these things. Never rings. Never rings. It just started ringing for no reason. You're a popular man. Everybody yeah. Now my phone, that one don't ring. But anyway, back to you. So uh, I, I went to school. The fourth grade, that was good. Then another uh, eighth grade school was, I had to cross the other side, a river every morning, especially in the winter. So you had to take your clothes off because I was a little kid, water was up to here. You have to, uh, you can't go straight in the water, you have to go with the water down, sideways to get in the other end and walk back up and put your clothes on and no towel, just squeeze yourself and uh, go to school. So I did that up to eighth grade and after eighth grade, there were no schools anywhere nearby. And uh, the closest high school was about 12 miles away. And I didn't want to go back and forth. That was impossible for me every day. So that said, I was talking to my dad, and he said, hey, you don't have to go to school. we done well. Your father, his father didn't go to school. My father didn't go to school. They did all right. They were small farmers. They used produce food and that was good enough for them and I said and he said hey you can read and write that's better you don't have to I said that's not good enough for me so he said hmm you want to be a governor then 
And I didn't know what that mean at that time. The guy was, I told you, as big as Chris over here, so I didn't want to confront him. So I left, and I left home and went to a nearest city, which was at that time was all day long journey. Now it takes 30 minutes, and a few years back it used to take five, six hours. But at that time, it was all day long journey. So when I arrived in the city, I didn't know anybody, so I picked up the job at the bakery. So I used to clean their pots and pan at night. And during a day, I used to go to school. And then somebody else met me who said, I will, I have a job for you for, you can, uh, he was uneducated merchant, and he said, I need some young guy, because he used to give them, uh, people used to get paid once a month, and uh, whatever they buy, they used to keep the log. So I was that guy, but I was doing it after five o'clock after coming back from school. So five to till 11, 12 o'clock at night. Then I used to do homework. Then I sleep three hours every day. Get up early in the morning, do his grocery. Three hours was the average. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank God I can sleep now eight hours. But at that time, that was my routine. Then uh, early in the morning, I used to go to flea market, pick up his grocery, bring it back on a bicycle. And I didn't have a bicycle to go to school. So I used to go to wait for the bus. So most of the time I was late for whatever reason. And now we have a backpack. Those days we didn't have a backpack. We have a bag on the shoulder. So you put one hand on the bag and the other, you're running to the bus. Sometime you miss it, most time you catch it. So I did that for a while. So I finished the school. I went to another city, finished my... Uh, rest of the education, and I picked up the job at American Embassy, and that changed my life. And uh, from there, I worked eight and a half years in American Embassy, and uh, then I got the opportunity to come over here. So in the 80s, I came over here. I've been here for 30-some years, and I started over here all over again as a dishwasher. And... Um, you had a, you had a, I read that you had either an, you had either an interview or you met with the manager there and they originally turned you down, correct? Yeah, it was a painful. And uh, fast food is now it got a little bit civil because educated people like you coming in and uh, running the business. But before it was uh, high school or less people pick up those kind of jobs. So I went to this district manager and uh, interview for a manager. So I put my little suit, and the only suit I had, and clean it all up and, uh, for interview. At the, um, the, after the interview, he said, I don't have a job for you. And I thought I did pretty good, but obviously not. So he said, uh, I asked him at the door, when I was on my way out, I said, sir, today is my first day in America. Would you give me some tip? Where did I screw up? So it will help me for my next interview. He said, get the fuck out of here. I don't have a time. So he ordered a big husky assistant named Speedy, and he said, hey, Speedy, show him 
road. So he put an arm under my armpit and took me out the door. I look at the door uh, sign and I said, this is the company I'm going to work for. So I went to their restaurants. I went back to an apartment where I was staying with somebody, put the t-shirt and jean and picked up dishwasher job. Three months later, I was management trainee because if you have a knowledge, nobody can take it away. They can take everything away from you, but they cannot take your knowledge away. So, so I did have a knowledge. I put it in practice, practically, and they put me as a, a MIT management and training. So I, a lot of people stay assistant for a while. I was directly being a manager. So I was reporting to that guy that interviewed me when I was a manager. I did a really good job for him. <clears throat> so about six years later, I was his boss. So he used to say, good morning, sir. I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, so that was uh, kind of a, my a deal with him. Uh, so it took me from dishwasher to CEO of my own company and the same company uh, 10 years. But it's all about, I tell people today, it's all about <coughs> three important things. Knowledge. That knowledge related to what you do every day, you have to acquire it. Understanding of your knowledge. Make sure you know what you have and make sure what you don't know. So, and then... Which they say is the seed of wisdom. Yes. And then, so is a knowledge, understanding, and skill to use it. It's very important. So I got those three things under my belt. And till today, I came to Friday about eight months ago. I didn't know anything about Friday. I was not even their regular customer. Once in a blue moon, you know, earlier I couldn't even afford it. And then when I could afford it, uh, I didn't even go there. And then once I came over here, I learned everything about Friday. And guess what? One day you guys will be writing about how I turned the Fridays around. That's excellent. Just simply put, last year I brought $15 million more than 2016 in the bottom line. And it's peaceful, Chris and others can tell you, nicely, no noise, nothing because you gotta use your knowledge, not your voice, to work every day. And it's all about people first. They make you or break you. I started this, uh, we have now GM Pivot, and we are training our education department here is superb. So we educate our people about our product and services. And I promise you, in two years, we will be the best-run company. And we are number four best-run company, right, Chris? Right now. So we'll be the best-run company in the United States. Because that's what we wanted to do. What else, what else would you attribute that to? So you said people first. Obviously, it's, a, it's the culture that you have. There's, you've, you've built uh, striving towards a common purpose. What else would you attribute that to? The, it's always people, product, and process. Yep. So you have people number one for everything. There is no company without people. People are the company. They own the damn thing. Otherwise, an investor 
come in and invest and they leave and they the new owner come and they come and they leave the money is available is the company the people and then then the product you got to focus the product that you sell in our case is food and drink so we sell them with our knowledge quality quality of service quality people so that's very important and then processy run the process have a systems if you don't have a systems you're just floater if all else fails your system could save you so make sure there's a check and balances for the people very first thing i did over here around the uh, the accountability process so people have to be accountable just not people only so you got to hold them accountable and that's kind of a very important so so Brian we're about 15 minutes got it so why fridays so you were at churches a number of other businesses that you also have operated etc why fridays when you decided 8 months ago to come here i didn't decide to come here by the way so uh, somebody put me over here so i done sentinel is a, one of the largest investment group in new york i have done a deal with them previously and that deal nobody wanted to touch it with a 10 foot pole i took it and i brought them 49.2% return on that and then i bought it from them and then i double triple that company so i made a good living with it so my track record if you ask mr google he'll tell you i'm turn around king and the only reason i'm turn around king i can't do all of that stuff because i am good with people i know who's good for what and i appreciate what they do and i empower people i absolutely believe power belongs to those who empower other yeah, otherwise it's just uh, 30 and a 30 doesn't mean a jack shit because it doesn't produce anything it produce for that moment when you're there to you use authority you got to you empower people when you're there when you're not there they're doing it for themselves after all nobody works for me people work for themselves but you have to let them know that you don't work for me you work for your house your wife your dog your other valuable that you want to possess uh, you working with me and that's the big, biggest distinguish between a lot of people and me what's what's the vision for what is tgi fridays look like in 10 years tgi friday is already in his way to be the one of the best company in the united states i promise you and people that are listening today write it down what friday has is uh, nobody has is a fun place the bar is the focal point we lost some basics uh, value that the company was built on and we are back in there so we are getting the bar making a fun place to come good product we upgraded our food so and we are working on upgrading service which is people related is tough job but we going to do it through education so uh, friday in the next 10 years will be the company to go to place to be and to have fun and that's what we're going to do 
and I when all else fails in casual running, Friday will be the Friday will be the only last guy standing in the best way, and we're gonna save that iconic brand in the United States. Love it. I've seen and read about Amazon, and you're doing different things with technology. Talk a little bit about how you're using technology to gain an edge, and why that's important. Well, I tell you, uh, a lot of these companies are really becoming an IT company because things are dematerializing the way we used to have uh, photos, right? So you have to buy the film, buy the camera, buy the film, then take the pictures, then go to the shop, then develop them, then buy album, put them in, then show it to a friend. What happened to all that material? Gone. So I'll world's gonna get dematerialized, we gotta be ahead of it. That means technology will play a role in our life everywhere, at home, at work, and technology play a role in a restaurant. We have online ordering, we have to go through technology, we have paid through the telephone, we have delivery services, it's all technology. Our data-driven is technology because we make decision on based on data, so we collect data, customer, customers, what we sell, what we don't sell. So with that technology, you can be, cannot be successful in age of today. Things of the past are gone when people used to have those ledgers and green, big stuff. Some of the people probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but those things are gone. So today, uh, your iPhone is a full computer. So yesterday I was watching something, they were talking about pagers. That was a big thing at that time. I thought I got the pager, I, I accomplished my lifelong goal. But now world is on your fingertip. And technology, if you don't pay attention, you will be behind or you'll be gone. Truth. Truth. From, you mentioned earlier, uh, when we were chatting, and just we can be brief on this because I think we're short on time, you mentioned a fear of poverty. And I've read that that's a big driver for you. Can you share a little bit about what that means for you? You know, I tell you, I went to one day and the president of the university called me and he said I wanted to chat with you and I went there. He had a fancy lunch for me and then he had a couple of people they are assembled for me and he wanted to know that he turned around a couple of universities and this was tough for him. So he said, if I have anything to add. So I asked him, did he fire anybody? He said, yes. I said, they were senior people, right? He said, yes. He said, four of them. I said, you can't do that. You give people a reason to do things. Don't give them order, give them reasons. And so they buy into it, they do for you. So that was one. Then some woman over there asked me, Mr. Khan, you think you made it? I said, probably yes, ma'am, but my mind it didn't register yet. The day I register I made it, I'd be lazy, I won't be. So I keep my poverty just before my eyes because it was a terrible experience I don't want to have to go through again, and I don't want anybody else to go through. And I was just telling you earlier that six, seven years from now, I'm gonna go 
jihad against poverty and i want to contribute that's what rest of my life will i will devote if i live 14 more years 20 more years <coughs> that's what i want to do to help other people to see it so what is a uh, beautiful thing to do then telling your own story true story and then connecting with people and telling them yes it can be done you just have to be a discipline and focus what you want because discipline is everything thank you if you had to give a mini and i think you just did it but parting words a mini graduation speech to an entrepreneur who's coming in maybe it's a millennial and he's about to own his and buy into his first franchise system or her franchise system and there's they're on the journey what advice would you give to that entrepreneur first of all you have to have a plan you have to know what you want and then you have to have a commitment to your commitments if you're not committed to your commitments it doesn't mean anything you got to be then disciplined and every single day you got to do the right thing you can't slack off and you can't be lazy otherwise you're not going to achieve your goal most of the people have a plan in life every one of us have a plan in life those plans need to be executed the difference is between uh, the poor and the rich the some could execute the plan with a commitment and discipline and make something out of themselves and some just keep on making plan all their life and that's the difference and i want to change one of those people there's some of those people that keep on making plan and don't execute them show them how it can be done and yes it can be done that's very powerful thank you very much for your time today you appreciate are it hey, do you have a story i think you should talk about you He's on. yeah yeah um <clears throat> you're gonna edit me out right yeah. okay the story you told me about reading people and you told me about your manager and you were working with him and you didn't get a promotion or something because you didn't look him in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were taught as a child, right? Culture. That, uh, that someone is above that the- you, your respect is you don't look them in the eyes because you are... So that yeah, tell that story. It's really good. So it was in your culture, you're saying to not look people in the eyes? And, and yeah, so whenever, whenever yeah, you... Yeah, let me authority, yeah. Right? So uh, some of that stuff is your product of your environment and you get conditioned to it but you have to change change is more difficult but how about if change is painful but how about if you become irrelevant that's a lot more painful so i my early life because i didn't know american culture from so when i got in contact with me by my american boss always you to get on my case and i was wondering what the hell is wrong with me i'm doing great job for him i'm 110% why is he so i dare to ask him but i ask his wife as i she said oh i can ask him to i said tonight i said ma'am don't ask him tonight <laughs> whenever is convenient for you ask him just by the way stuff so she did couple of months later she said i know your problem because you don't look in his eyes and when you don't look in his eyes when you're talking he thinks that you're hiding something and he's on your case so that was a culture in pakistan because you don't look up to senior people or older people in their eyes you look down and it was causing me a problem so as a small change brought me where i'm at today 
because well, what if I won't have changed and people perceive me that I'm hiding something? So that's the small change that you have to make. You have to find that. I noticed a theme in some of the stories that you've shared, and that is, number one, you always ask if in, in a failure or you didn't get hired at this company or in this example, you, you always go back and you ask them why, but then secondly, that you can change. And then, well, you can only change when you know what the change is. So if you don't know what the change is, uh, how could you change? So my thing is, I want to know, if I fail somewhere, here is what another thing, that a lot of people, we all fail. Our success rate most of the time is 2% or something. But that means 98 strike probably went on notice or failure. A lot of people, once they fail, uh, they just move on. I, for one, want to spend 10, 20 minutes and find out what went wrong to extract a lesson so I am not in that trap again. Because a lot of people don't spare 10 more minutes, get so upset and walk away. I, for one, don't do that. I embrace it and say, I know I failed, but I want to know why, and then change the life. I think it was, it was Winston Churchill that said failure, or success is a measure of failing over and over, but moving to the next venture or thing with the same amount of enthusiasm. Yeah, fail, failing forward. And uh, never give up that energy. Because uh, what happens, a lot of people when they fail, uh, they deplete total energy, empty that, and spill everything. Don't spend that. Pick up energy. Uh, I, for one, pick up energy from failure. I become a monster if I'm being challenged. And that's the difference with a lot of people. A lot of people lose energy and become just whatever, vegetation. Did you have to acquire that and learn it? It was a product of, of your, the story that you shared and, and the tough things that you had to go through, so you always had this grit. But was this something you had to Well, learn? part of it is I grew up in an area, the tribal area, where we uh, kind of a very strong commitment like, for example, in Afghanistan and all that, northern India, Pakistan, people are fighting for centuries. You know, USSR, British, before that, Alexander the Great, and now United States. Those people are very strong-minded. They just don't give up. And I'm from kind of a, that kind of DNA. I don't give up. So if you apply to a modern world today, and they are applying it in a wrong direction. That's why I'm gonna tell them, they talk about jihad, jihad is not bad. Jihad means struggle against something. But you struggle against something worthwhile. You follow? So I'm gonna struggle against, I did myself poverty and I wanna help people to do this. How do you foresee jihad against poverty? How are you gonna do that or go about it? First of all, I have to show people, teach them, coach them that it can be done. I have to build their confidence level. That confidence is everything, by the way. And somebody says, how would you build the confidence? Well, confidence can be built by small, small, small successes. That builds your confidence. And confidence makes you trust other people. Otherwise, you don't trust them. So once you build the confidence, you build that trust, you, and then now you have the game. 
because you can't give somebody something you don't have. If you don't say, I don't believe you, that means you don't have enough belief system. You don't believe in yourself. If you say, I don't trust you, that means you don't trust yourself because you don't have a confidence. But when you have a confidence, you let them roam around, you can catch it anytime and fix it. So it's very important. So you have to build small, small successes, build the confidence, and from there build the trust, and trust is everything in life. And that's another word. Let's get him for one more, are you all, all set? I would like to dive in and chat a little bit about the reading people and things like that. I don't know if you want to get into that or if we have time. I have time. We, 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 we I know, but it's another day. <laughs> yeah, another day. So my last question, the last question is this, is do you have, do you have a favorite book and why? You know, I read a book, uh, uh, Be Friend, Make Friends and Get Rich, long time ago. I didn't even, half of it, I didn't even understand. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, I learned that listen, learn, and build a relationship is all about building relationship. I, I read Covey's book, I read Tony's book. Everybody tells you interpersonal relationship. You not forget, I can get more out of you than perhaps your girlfriend can get if I build a relationship with you because I have to respect you. You want to be wanted. And that is very important. If I want to make Chris to be wanted, not the job. He's a very important job, a part of my job. Without him, I won't be any little thing could cause a leak, and that leak could deplete your energy, and you are spinning all day long. Why not just... I, and one more thing for your audience, God did not make anybody or anything on this earth useless. Is your ability and ability inability and ability to find out what those use are. So you do the best. Otherwise, God gifted you with everything. You can't deny it. All these plants that today we talk about and things that we talk about is God made it for the reasons. We just don't pay attention to him. So we are ignorant. So we better pay attention to a lot of things, and especially to people in the world. So make it better. Thank you. Love it. Thank you very much.